Shut up and sit down. Uh, I am a, a radical libertarian. Man, we don't want the government to do a damn thing. The current state of politics is unsustainable politically, economically. You deserve better. It is about supporting, platforming, and, and assisting the people who are out here actually doing the fight. You just take an issue that's important to you and do something. There you go. You are part of that declaration against tyranny. Because no one brings tear gas to a gunfight. This conversation gives me a little more hope for the future. The one, the only. Fight for liberty. This is the cherry on top. This is FSM. Hello, fighters. Welcome back to the Fight for Liberty Live. I'm your host, David Fight, here to get you fired up about the men and women out here making the world a freer place through politics, activism, business, and more. And tonight, we are joined by a good friend of the show and of mine, serial entrepreneur, coming on to tell us all about her awesome new project. But first, we are going to give a little bit of love to our sponsors, first up being Blood of Tyrants, the official spirit of 1776. Uh, they actually just came out with a new energy tea called Liquid Freedom. We'll have you refreshed and energized to go out and fight for liberty all day long. Or if you're looking for a nice night in while also sipping on the blood and tears of your enemies and supporting the destruction of the tyrannical state, look no further than Blood of Tyrants Wine. Choose between a Merlot or, or, and or a Pinot Grigio distributed by activists you know and love. Bloodoftyrants.wine is the place to go. Use that promo code FSM to get 10% off your first order. Again, that's Bloodoftyrants.wine, promo code FSM for free speech media. Next up, we have Craft and Business Services. Crafton is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs start, grow, and maintain their businesses by providing a wide variety of products and services to make your business more efficient, manageable, and profitable. Crafton understands how frustrating getting your business off the ground can be, and that's why they've put together their business in a box solution to turn your idea or side hustle into a fully functioning company in one place for one transparent cost. So for under $1,000, you can get your corporate filing, registered agent, a logo, business cards, marketing strategy, and an accounting consultation to get you started off on the right foot. All of that just $9.99 plus state theft. And if you're looking for a little bit more than that, you can add a custom website, web hosting, more marketing material, more time with our marketing team, five times the bookkeeping services, and your first box of business cards for $24.99, again, plus state theft. If you already have a business, Crafton can help you grow to new levels with targeted marketing campaigns, affiliate programs, website, social media redesign, and more, or can help make your business less of a headache with streamlined accounting, tax prep, and compliance. Go on over to crafton.us to learn more, and again, use promo code FSM to help out the channel and the network and help us keep the lights on over here. We'd really appreciate that. But without further ado, the star of the show tonight, competitive swing dancer, writer, innovator, and all-around great human, founder and CEO of Project Curio, Stacia Wilson. Welcome back to the show. How's it going? Hey, David. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Um, good, good. So let's just um, start off right at the beginning. Tell me what is Project Curio and what are you guys doing? Right. So um, can I tell the long version? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Okay. 
Um, so in 2020, I started paying attention to news and politics for the first time. Um, I ended up meeting you shortly after that because uh, I was learning about libertarians for, for the first time. And <laughs> uh, so then I started a news publication and the idea was to do long form articles and cite all of the sources and peer review the articles, um, like have experts and normal people from different perspectives peer review them um, and then yeah publish those and so I ran that for a couple years and realized um, at least it maybe less than a year into it that it had some like uh, weaknesses it was very uh, expensive and like a lot of work to produce every article mm -hmm. Um, so I was trying to figure out how to do it more efficiently because I thought the, the basic idea, you know, of uh, different perspectives being brought together to make sense of things, um, I thought that made sense, you know, and we were producing cool results from that, um, but we just needed a more efficient way to do it. So then I got the idea for Curio and um i drew out the designs in like may or maybe before that of um 2022 i think and then i spent like over a, yeah it was a while ago and then i spent over a year trying to figure out how to get it made because i didn't know how to code hmm. and so we were we were trying to figure out how to fund it i was actually working with zach um who i met through this show as well and um yeah and then last year uh my friend was just like why don't you code it yourself like why don't you just learn how to make it and it's not that hard so um i used a udemy course and chat gpt and i made it um it was so hard but yeah, <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it's it's not easy it's definitely I, I love everything about the project, but the fact that you built it yourself is to me the most impressive part. Like that's kind of, especially because it's not your wheelhouse originally. Like if you were a computer programmer that yeah. had this idea and just kind of like built a thing quickly, that's one thing. But you actually going all the way into, you know, I'm just going to make it myself. That's something that I've never done. And I've sat around with like ideas that could be things that just have never been things because I didn't take that step that you did. So I think that's the most impressive part of the whole thing. Thanks. Yeah, um, I got stuck for a whole month trying to figure out figure out the login system. Mm. And I was just like, this might be the end. I don't know if I can do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I found just a completely different way to do it and was able to figure it out. But yeah, it was it, it was tough. Um, but yeah, so now it exists and we just oh, and I should explain what it is. So the basic idea is that there are claims. So like people, people make claims all the time, right? Um, they'll say uh, like, Oh, the economy is doing well, or oh, marijuana is completely safe, or oh, the the COVID vaccines are completely safe and effective. You know, um, so there are all these claims that are um, like kind of flying around, and people are making them. Um, but 
yeah, like, are they really true? And I feel like we kind of argue on a surface level and we don't really dig into where is this claim coming from? Like, what are, what, what's it built on? What are the um, assumptions and evidence that it's built on? Mm -hmm. So, um, so we start with a claim and then we investigate it. And uh, we investigate it with two columns. So there's a for and against, or I'm sorry, there's a support and falsify column. And um, so you're trying to support or falsify the claim. And even though it's only two columns, the actual content that gets produced is very nuanced, hmm. um, but the system is simple. So um, th honestly, that's, that's the main thing. Uh, later on, I want to add like a voting system so that the evidence will rearrange in order um, based on, you know, um, how good people think it is so that you can read the top evidence and be like, oh, I got a sense for this, you know, because um, right. Yeah, right now it's just in order of when it's added. Um, yeah. The good thing is, I feel like all the evidence people have gone to the trouble to add is good. So, That's you know, good. is, yeah. Yeah. So we've had some really interesting claims uh, that we've investigated. Some of my favorites so far are um, as of the beginning of 2024, the US economy is doing well. Um, January 6th was an insurrection according to the 14th Amendment meaning of the term like 12 pieces of evidence on that that's and, a good clarifying bit like based on the 14th amendment like that that at least gives you a factual thing that you can compare whatever you're looking at to and say you know whether or not you think it was bad or good or whatever does it fit this description i actually added that later <laughs> because um i you know i was talking to people about it and Someone was like, it seems right wing to even ask that. <laughs> and I was like, does it? But people are making the claim. Um, but they were like, why don't you, you know, clarify? And I thought it was a really good idea to add that. So, yeah, thank you. Um, uh, and then my favorite, well, I have two favorites. So one is uh, globally, there were fewer deaths thanks to the Pfizer, Moderna and J&J &J vaccines than there would have been otherwise. That one has six pieces of evidence and six comments. And then uh, high LDL cholesterol is unhealthy, has six pieces of evidence and six comments. So, nice. yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like all of the claims like have more that could be added. Um, but yeah, people have been adding to them little by little. Um, Right now I'm in the stage of like testing stuff and trying to get people using it. Mm. Um, getting, getting people using it will help with the testing, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So. I like how it's, it's kind of like a, an yeah. in-between of like journalism and social media. You're kind of like, it, it's neither, but it's a little yeah. bit of both at the same time. And, you know, to your point, like if, if I'm getting into an argument on Twitter or even like in a group chat, which you've seen enough times um, <laughs> that, you know, most of the time I'm not I'm not going to read a 5000 word article that you send me in the middle of an argument in a group chat, especially because more often than not, 
you're still sending not you obviously like uh the the grand obviously you. Um, but like <laughs> you're still sending more messages after you send me that link and mm. if i spend 15 minutes reading this article that you sent me in the middle of an argument I'm basically going to lose the argument on that's like, the strategy. The, the like <laughs> public <laughs> space, yeah, is just like bombard them with shit, and then and then when oh well you didn't respond, so I must be right, and mm -hmm. so I instead of doing what's probably the the quote unquote right thing to do and actually read all of the information presented me, I just continue to argue my point, which is not exactly helpful for actually finding a middle ground if that's your end goal or finding like the uh, more objective truth it's just trying to win an argument which is very unhelpful in, in reality most of the time you're not going to convince yeah. anybody by a win one argument through a, a twitter thread or a group chat or anything like that you might win over some people that are just in the chat and not participating because they don't really know but you're never going to win over the other person where I think something like this, I could see myself putting in a bunch of evidence in the support column and then actually reading a bunch of the evidence in the falsify column and being, oh, shit, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> like, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Yeah, I, I found often um, it's not even that you find out you're wrong, but you find out there's more to the story. Mm. Um, and that there's a reason why people think differently from you and and it's not crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things that I try to do. I was actually just having a conversation with one of my good friends earlier today about this, that I, I try to give as much good faith to people that I'm talking to as possible, especially over the last few years. It's been something that I'm like really like on a personal kind of mission to to be better at and to try to see things from other people's perspectives and it's it's a really weird thing to try to do because it ends up making you the enemy of your own side most of the time <laughs> and you know like i'll i i defend communists a lot online right like uh just just as a thing like i don't think communists are evil i don't think everyone that's a communist is a bad person i'm sure a bunch of people are going to unfollow me after hearing that but um like i i just don't and i think that there's there's logical ways to get to that conclusion i think they're factually inaccurate but it's still an understandable path to take as a person and that shit gets me so much hate from the right slash libertarian crowds that it's just like can't you can't you just try to see it from their perspective and most people are completely unwilling to do that where i think uh m where a framework like this it's kind of the whole point is to try to see it yeah. from the other person's perspective um or at least just see the evidence that the other people are using to bolster their why do you believe what you believe i don't have to mm -hmm. Care, like really try to believe what you believe or really understand you but as long if i know well there's thousands of articles out there that support your hypothesis then i kind of understand if you and if you've never seen any of the articles that i'm sharing how how would you possibly have my opinion if you've never exactly. heard my side and you've only ever heard your side and vice versa yeah so yeah totally 
Um, I was just thinking this uh, about the uh, the trans issue. Uh, I was curious, so I'm watching the um, what is it? They're after your children <laughs> by Robbie Starbuck. Mm. Have you heard of that? There's like a new movie that came out um, that's like oh, the War on Children. Mm. Yeah, uh, and I yeah, uh, and I was just thinking like I mean, there's a lot of good information. Uh, but I'm also in this Facebook group, uh, so you want to know about trans people, um, and it's like a, a more of a trans activist and, you know, like a finding out about their perspective group, and uh, everything I see in there is like people care about the kids, you know, and they're, uh, I mean, I've also talked to friends about this, you know, and I, I really think most people, they they're actually concerned about the kids and they're, you know, so the people that the war on children movie is saying are trying to, you know, go after your kids and destroy them and stuff. They actually care about the kids. Mm -hmm. um, they just have a different perspective and they're seeing different evidence. Um, you know, they, they think puberty blockers are safe and necessary, you know, and anyway, just, yeah it's it's interesting how we kind of go a little too far and make them evil in our minds you know we're like oh they're they're pedophiles actually or you know and it can be way less uh it's way more it's way more uncomfortable kind of to be like oh shit, they're not even bad they're just you know um yeah yeah they're just coming anyway. from a different place I think, I yeah. think one of one of the things that bugs me the most about that conversation is when people talk about like the the trend line of just how many there are, which I will I will caveat this. I do think that there is a little bit of a fad going around with that. But also, like if you look at the trend line of like left-handed people and how many mm -hmm. people have been left-handed, it skyrockets as soon as they stopped killing people or beating them for being left-handed because they used to think that meant you were like possessed or some shit. So when you stop demonizing a group, you're probably going to have more people self-identify as part of that group. That's just kind of logical human activity, but everyone, everyone wants to make that out to be something completely bigger than it is. Uh, well, so I think that's true, but then I also just heard a counter argument to that. Someone was saying, but then why is it only happening in the U.S.? Um, I heard the stats are like way higher in the U.S. than in even like European countries where it's, you know, completely safe to be trans. Um, I haven't checked it, but I just thought that was interesting because, you know, I hadn't heard a counter argument to that. So, yeah, um, but. But this is what Curio's for, right? right? So then we can have all the, the nuance, you know, and explore it in a productive way. Yeah. So, yeah. I think one of the other really cool things that it adds is like the ability to kind of catch up on an argument mm, easily. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I was. I honestly might have might have been our group chat might have or or a different one. I was just having a conversation like two or three days ago where you know I was going back and forth with somebody and then someone oh actually yeah it was it was us the uh, the whole like um is is the is the state inherently bad or whatever 
uh, question that got brought up. Like, I don't have the like the the energy to start at square one on that argument with people, people who are still yeah. asking that question and still like, you know, I don't even understand why you hate the government so much. I don't have the time to go all the way from there through MK Ultra, Tuskegee experiments, like the whole thing down the road to like anarchist. That's like a two year journey for most people that I'm not going to do in one conversation. If you come to me as a libertarian who still is like a minarchist and still thinks that we need a state and, you know, if we just control it, it'll all be okay. I I'll have that argument with somebody because that's we're a lot closer in in our positions and I can move the needle a little bit. But a lot of times it's just. And and also, I find myself in in that position in other people's arguments, like like the trans thing, or like um, like Israel Palestine, or some of these other really big ones, where I don't have nearly enough information to even formulate an opinion, let alone argue a point or really care. So when somebody tries to argue with me about Israel Palestine because I'm not on their side and I'm somewhere in the middle, I'm just like I don't. Like, I don't I don't want to do this. Like, I'm not I'm not going to argue this point with you because I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, mm. Go talk to Dave Smith or Scott Horton or somebody else that knows what they're talking about. So you can argue with them. Don't don't argue with me. And I think there's there's a lot of issues out there. Even um, a couple of the things that you named that you guys have investigated already, uh, like especially the uh, the like cholesterol one. Um like I, I have no idea. I have I have multiple people I really care about and listen to almost everything that they say about what I put into my body that are on opposite ends of that argument. And mm. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just bowing out. <laughs> like, uh, where stuff like this, I feel like it gives you the chance to really catch up with where the actual information is, kind of sift through the talking points and the the BS and the just monologues that people will do on their shows and whatnot and just get the actual facts and get all the way caught up, formulate an opinion. And then if you want to argue with somebody back on Twitter about it, you've got all the information, you have an actual opinion, and you can take that forward and move move forward with it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's also a great way, like, well, I guess that's what you were saying, um, like just personally to figure out your thoughts on things. Um, yeah, like organize your own research. You shouldn't you shouldn't be trying to figure out what you believe just for the sake of arguing it on the Internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, may, that might just be on me. That's, that might just be yeah. a problem. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so. Uh, I did. I do want to talk a little bit about just like the state of journalism as a whole, because I think I think that this um, has has the possibility to really, really help with this. Um, but I mentioned this a little bit before we went live. Um, the today the EU came out saying that they were looking at sanctions on Tucker Carlson for his interview with Putin uh, before it even airs. Also, we're talking the European Union is having a problem with someone from america going to russia and doing something neither of those countries are in the eu so how they even think they have jurisdiction over this is baffling to me um, but like we're we're living in a time where you really like journalism as a whole is non-existent uh and the idea of like actually being able to find nuanced middle grounded sources on things is 
pretty impossible. Um, but especially with, with doing second look and everything else that you've done, what's, what's your kind of take on do, I guess, aside from what you're doing, do you think that there's hope in, in the journalism sphere for, for this to get better with like alternative media and stuff? Or is this just going to be kind of a downward spiral? Do you think? So, um, I have an unpopular opinion. Uh, I love yeah, those. I just wrote, <laughs> uh, I just wrote about it in my Substack, and I'll, I'll talk about it more. Um, but I really think that being unbiased means you have to include information that you think is wrong. Um, and I think it's so hard for any individual to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the that's the catch is like that's why there are no unbiased sources you know because uh influencers like independent sources they have their opinion that they're putting out and then the mainstream has its opinion that it's putting out and it is so dry to try and uh do journalism without any opinion mm -hmm. like we we did that with second look um we, we tried it and it was just so dry. Um, so that's one problem. But then the other thing is you have to include facts and like information that you don't agree with. And um, man, we that was part of the challenge with Second Look was that we hired writers. We had so many writers where we would put the article through the peer review process and they would get feedback, you know, and they would just be like, I think this is wrong. I don't want to change it. I don't want to include this. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times that happened. Um, it was like more rare for us to actually get an article that we were comfortable publishing, you know, that that we felt like met our standards of trying to be unbiased. Mm -hmm. um, none of them were per none of them were perfect. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like the experience of trying to do unbiased showed me how impossible, but like really, really difficult it is to even try to get close mm -hmm. to being unbiased. Um, so I don't really blame any of the like media, you know, independent or mainstream for not achieving it because it's so hard. Um, yeah so i really think we need new systems we need like new ways of making sense of the world because we have so much information and it's yeah i i think the old ways aren't going to be aren't going to be sufficient um because we also need like a shared sense of reality like like we were saying that's the problem in so many of these issues is that people are living in different worlds yeah. And it, yeah, we need a way to bridge those worlds so that we we can um, we can understand each other's worlds better and they're not so extreme and isolated, you know, because it's fine to have your own worldview. We all have our own worldview. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is when we just decide the other one or other ones are, are evil and stupid, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah, I, 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 it yeah. wasn't the answer I was expecting, but I actually really liked it. Um, I, 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. It is very, very difficult to try to actually be unbiased. And that's, you know, something that I I try to be as often as I can. Or I'll actually, I'll be more honest, something I tried to be. <laughs> but, but have honestly kind of, I don't want to say given up, but put a lot less effort into because I, even when I was trying to be really unbiased, I wasn't. You know, I still have a deep hatred for various systems and and I don't want to say groups of people because that makes me sound like a racist, <laughs> but um, like cops um, are like, you know, I have. Even... You heard it here, folks. <laughs> David fight hates groups of people. <laughs> oh, my God. It's still not as bad as the shit I said on uh, my friend's show last night. Um, but I. I, I, yeah, like it's, it's just physically impossible, like you're saying, to, to really just actually live your life in an unbiased way and try to, you know, put out content, which is why I've never really touched news that much. You know, I do, it's, it's really easy for me to be unbiased on here, uh, except for I'm still not, because like, I think you're really cool and I want to like promote what you're doing and help people know about what you're doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased on every single episode, but everyone knows what that bias is going into it because it's the bias that I like my guest and I believe in what they're doing. And I think you guys should either check it out or try to do something similar yourselves, depending on the guest, you know, like, but, but I'm at least upfront about that, <laughs> that bias and uh, just have tried to avoid the, the topics that, you really like need a clear nuanced view on because it is i don't know i just don't i don't have that kind of patience <laughs> well yeah so um that makes me think of there are two um aspects of human nature that relate to this so one is that every individual is going to be biased like inherently you can't help that mm -hmm. right like everyone, every single human is going to be biased. Yeah. And that's why getting information from any single human or any group that shares a worldview is going to be biased. And that's why we need to work together um, if we want to get closer to being unbiased. Mm. Yeah, I, we don't even know what we don't know. So, yeah. so that's where I think Curio is strong, where Curio is weak. Um, and I'm telling you this to try and make your show less biased, you know, because <laughs> I know you're trying to promote me, but <laughs> uh, so um, the weak point is that uh, people really like have a urge to cheerlead their side, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it can be really uncomfortable to not have a clear like uh, yes or no, like simple kind of position on stuff. Um, it can be uncomfortable to hold nuance. Um, I find even myself, like I really value nuance, but sometimes I find myself being unnuanced, even though I know it's not like the full picture of what I believe, um, but it's like almost easier or like more comfortable to fall into it. Mm -hmm. do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, when you're like talking to someone it's easy to, yeah, I, I don't know how to describe it better, but it's really easy to fall into being unnuanced. It's more comfortable for some reason. 
Yeah, because so, it's, it's just a cut and dry, you know, there's, because most, most predetermined, like, sides of things, they've already got their talking points that sound good, they've got their little sound bites that you can repeat, they've got, and also, like, you know, most of the controversial issues, people, people at least know of the other side, so whether you're talking, like, well, let's just go, like, left-right economics, like, communist versus capitalist, or something like that, like, if I'm talking to a communist um, and I don't care about trying to like actually make them like me or anything like that, you know, it's so much easier for me to just be like, no, I'm a capitalist. I, I, I disagree with you and just leave it at that than it is for me to be like, well, I actually think capitalists and communists are an equal level of retarded because any prescriptive world model and any like economic model that's trying to force people into it is going to be bad and you're always going to have people that want the other one and like that's just a really long conversation that most of the time I don't have time for um normally I'll actually do the opposite though and just be like yeah no I I agree that big business can be kind of is usually pretty bad and you know government bailouts are terrible and corporate um corporate welfare is a bad thing and just try to say all of the the quick catchphrases that makes me sound like one of them that i actually do believe and it, it's just yeah it's just so much easier that way or if i'm talking to yeah. a libertarian i'm not saying any of those things <laughs> most of the time unless they're a left libertarian yep totally um yeah so so I hope like with second look, it was a challenge because um, I feel like people tend to share stuff that is easy to read and that has that defends their side. Right. Mm -hmm. And second look, it was kind of like, a, like, here's the evidence, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, it, we like towards the end, we actually did experiment with trying to um, take more of a stance um and the stance we tried to take was um like so every politicized position i think underneath it there's almost always if not always a reasonable thing that people generally agree upon mm -hmm. so for example like the trans issue everyone cares about the kids like everyone's trying to figure out how to protect the kids and it's just a matter of what you think is a better way to protect them right um yeah so uh or with healthcare, uh everyone wants health care right and w everyone ideally would like everyone to have health care so it's a matter of uh how how we can go about making sure everyone has health care and like addressing the other problems in the system that make it hard or expensive to have health care or whatever you know um so yeah uh I, yeah i feel like with every politicized issue there's an underlying you know value that we tend to all share and so um so second look tried to refocus on that uh but yeah it's hard to get people to share it with no no lean to it so so i'm curious to see how it goes with curio and if people will use the articles you know we'll share them around mm -hmm. um because it's kind of like most people it will both support their opinion and 
falsify it. So, you know, if you're in an argument and you're like, well, here's my evidence. And then it's like, but also it includes your, you know, all the critiques of your evidence. It's kind of, kind of tough. So, yeah. I feel like one of the benefits is it, it's kind of like the, the concept of like a, I mean, obviously this is like a really dumbed down version of what you're talking about, but like a Twitter poll, both sides of the poll will share the poll to try to win the poll. Mm. You know, like, um, I mean, in multiple like group chats on Twitter that are just like either campaigns or, or groups or whatever, that most of the only thing that's going in there is people sharing the polls that they see so that every, all the hundred plus people that are in that chat can just go and vote on that poll real quick and we can be in the lead of whatever, you know, thing is going on. Um, I'm actually in more than one libertarian primary version of that, which is really funny because uh, I don't always vote the way that the group wants me to. But um, I, I, I feel like there's a little bit of that element with Curio mm -hmm. where you can, you know, even even if this the person doesn't actually want to read the other side, care about the nuance, actually make any of their own personal changes they might still like put in the evidence to back up their side and also share it around so that all of their friends can also put in the evidence you know if there was something like an israel palestine something i would send that to all of my um like foreign uh what's the word i'm looking for foreign policy people uh that would know shit and so that they can actually add stuff in there to back up whichever side they're on uh, and I, totally. I, I think that you, you kind of, you're able to capture a little bit of the one-sided competitiveness that exists without it being just that, you know? That's the hope. That's, yeah. Um, so yeah, as I'm building the, the user base, I'm trying to find friends who disagree with me on something so that we can, you know, argue it out on Curio. Hmm. So far, it hasn't really worked, but that's that's what I'm trying to do is find people who will argue it out with me. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a, a cool. Yeah, I hope it works for that. Yeah. Um, my so, other. I, oh, no. well, uh, so my other idea is to use it uh, for universities um, or homeschool groups. Like, I think it could be such a cool um, learning tool to teach people critical thinking, you know, like talk about, okay, let's find a claim to investigate that we have different opinions on, and then maybe have it start with each group um, researching their own side, but then you could also flip it and be like, okay, now you need to try to find, you know, um, evidence for the other side and just kind of that process of, and uh, also it has a probability slider. So, I want people to realize that they have some doubt, you know? Because mm. I think often it's really easy to fall into, I, this is what I think. And you forget that you're like, I think it, but I'm 70% sure, you know? <laughs> uh, so if you can realize you have some doubt, I think it makes you more open to listening to, to other evidence. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really good point. And I think it's really difficult to admit that in 
the public space. I think the other thing that that Curio kind of gives you is a a little bit of like anonymity, especially if all you're doing is reading it. Um, you know, it you don't have to you don't have to publicize that you're having those doubts. You don't have to like let that be known because yeah. like I I don't care anymore personally about this, but. So, you know, I've said a couple of things on this show that go completely against what I'm about to say, but it's very difficult to actually say to the public, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know anything about mm -hmm. blank topic, even if it's not a topic that you're supposed to know anything about. It's still very sure. difficult to be someone who's trying to be a voice of reason and, and information and, and be a talking head of any kind, whether you're writing or podcasting or whatever. Uh it people will lose respect for you when you admit that you don't know what you're talking about and i think it should go the other way around where if, yeah. if i hear somebody say that i gain a lot of respect for them but that's not how the general public operates and that's not what's profitable and unfortunately that's what most people are kind of based off of you know and everyone with the podcast is trying to get more viewers on that podcast and so losing viewers by saying well, I don't really give a shit about the Middle East and what's going on there. That's not my life, and I don't know. That's, that's not how you get more viewers. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, where, where with something like this, it's kind of the whole point is to come in with a little bit of, of doubt, and I think it, it definitely like alleviates that societal pressure that you would have on a YouTube channel or a Twitter account to stick to your guns and do your thing especially if you're like a candidate or anything like that like you you're not allowed to falter at all publicly at least totally yeah uh there's this book called harry potter and the methods of rationality and that reminded me um he was in one of the classes it might have been uh like transfer uh transformations or something where you you know transform stuff into other stuff it might have been that one um but the the teacher was like what's what's the correct answer to this or some I, i'm gonna butcher this but um and he tried to answer like he hadn't read the book but he like tried to guess or something and she was like wrong the correct answer is i don't know and you need to say that like the only way you'll get in trouble in this class is if you try to pretend like you know when you don't actually know because mm -hmm. that's so dangerous you know that's yeah. how I operate in like a business setting. Uh, like the the only wrong answer is mansplaining your way through something. Like I will never, I'll never be mad at a subordinate for asking me a question that they should know the answer to, right? Like how do I do blank? How have you worked here for two months and you don't know how to do that? But oh well, like I'm not gonna get mad because I would be a lot more mad if you worked here for two years and still didn't know how to do that. At least we're two months in, we caught the problem and we're good. Um, but I mean, this, that's advice that I could also take pretty often because I, I, I do pretend to know things that I don't actually know every once in a while. It's tough. But, um, especially, I think it's, it's the hardest when people ask you a question thinking you'll know the answer to it <laughs> and you don't have a clue. And it's just like, I want to try to like help you out here so i'm just gonna try to come up with the most logical version of an answer to this normally i will actually preface because like, i have um 
I don't, I don't think this is a gender thing especially, but I have multiple female friends and like uh, quite a few of my exes just did that to me a lot where they just kind of assume I know the answer to most things. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm not that smart, um, but they did. And so I'll usually preface my answer with, well, I don't really know for sure. So this is half mansplaining, but here you go. <laughs> and then launch into the most reasonable version of a, an answer because they won't take, I don't know for an answer. And so you have to come up with something. It's I I wonder if it even would be less masculine. Like, I mean, culturally, you know, to be like, I don't know. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Um so the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh I think there's there's a lot of things that are seen as, by society as unmasculine that are actually just being a good person. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's a whole different conversation. Um so switching gears a little bit, um you also recently started a Substack called How to Change Your Mind. Um tell me what what that's about and what you're planning on doing with that. By recently uh you mean today? <laughs> um, I've been wanting to start it, gosh, for at least five months, I think. At least four months. Um, yeah, before I went to Japan last year, I was wanting to start it. And I was writing, I think I wrote at least six intros. And I was struggling to figure out what it was going to be about. And yeah, so finally got it out, finally decided. Um, it's gonna focus on uh, like sense making, um, like and how to change your mind and um, just kind of how to uh, think and be happy and um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like it's stuff that I've thought about a lot and I'm like thinking about a lot and exploring and like reading books on and talking to people about. So um, yeah, I think it'll be fun to share those ideas. And I, I kind of felt like it would be good to share the ideas so that I, I think it will help cure you, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, yeah, it's a sense. synergistic project, hopefully. Yeah. Can you just for the people watching at least, and honestly, for me too, give me like a simple definition of the term sense making? So it's the way that you uh, make sense of the world around you. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like how you construct your worldview. Does that make sense? So it's not, uh, yeah, it's like a, it's a subconscious process for most of us. Um, but I, yeah. I'm trying to talk about it overtly, I guess. Trying to make it more of a conscious process. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, that's... Does it? <laughs> that was so unintentional, but all right. Um, yeah, I think um, I think that that's honestly, I mean, kind of kind of exactly what you just said. Just trying to make it more of a conscious thing is something that I've definitely been doing over the last few years. And I feel like, I feel like where I'm at is like only step one of what you're talking about is 
the figuring out that you need to actually make sense of the world and that your worldview might be a little bit flawed. And I've definitely kind of taken more of the lazy approach, I guess. Um, man, I'm shitting on myself a lot in this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> but because uh, th- there's a lot of topics, like I've said, that I, I just kind of like check out of instead of actually trying to make sense of. And I think probably within the last like maybe year or so, I've tried to switch back into actually caring about more things and and actually making sense of things. But it's a struggle Uh, because I don't know. I feel like it's it's one of the bigger like almost black pills for lack of a better term that that I've had over the last few years is just the I don't know what reality is like I don't I don't know what truth is anymore there are so many topics out there that I'm supposed to know things about that I have such a lack of echo chamber in my life and always have um, at least since I became an adult that I I just can't like like the the health stuff is just a a tiny microcosm of just how many people I have out there of like, um, who, who I like really care about and really believe in and have given like all of my proxy trust on a topic to somebody or to two or three people. And then all of a sudden something comes up and now they're fighting. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with that. One of you guys is wrong, which means that you've probably been wrong more to- more times than this. And other stuff that I've listened to you say is also wrong that I believe and have internalized as fact. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do with my life anymore. <laughs> you know, and it, I think, um, I think it really does take it, unless you want to just be the kind of uh npc normie type that doesn't actually care about breaking out of your echo chamber at all it really takes a conscious effort to try to figure out who do i have proxy trust in how strong is that trust is it too strong or could it be stronger and you know where am i getting my information from and then like actually really citing your sources going back and double checking stuff you know you know not everything joe rogan says about health is true and that's something that i need to let click into my head because i kind of take almost everything he says about that stuff as fact because look at him like he's clearly healthier than i am he probably knows what he's talking about but there's got to be some flaws in there and you know i've definitely that that's a specific topic that i've really been working on for the last couple of months of like trying to find more and more influences uh, that can kind of open up my my echo chamber on the health side of things because I was definitely starting to get into a, a almost paleo diet kind of thing of like anything processed modern or anything like that is going to kill you and you're all going to die and you need to be just eating vegetables or go uh, carnivore diet or some other crazy thing like that. And now I'm actually, I have more influences in my life that are like, you know what? You can eat cookies and still be healthy. It's fine as long as you're living an active lifestyle, eating a, getting all the nutrients you need out of your actual food, having dessert's not going to kill you. And that's something that I actually struggled with for a while. Um, and that's just one topic. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I'm kind of doing carnivore 
uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I kind of think cookies might kill you. Um, <laughs> but it's because of the stuff we spray on it um, in the U.S. Uh, and we stuff uh, and I think some people like genetically the what we fortify it with it that deeply personally so I you know it's a lot of proxy trust and definitely have a lot of doubt there but totally get your feeling of like so hard to make sense of like wow um, and then like thinking about so like what you put in your body but then also uh, like even the packaging you know like are you getting microplastics or, you know, there's like so many layers to the concern there. But um, I'll just say kind of what I've realized is no one's going to have perfect truth. Like no one, no human. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to let go of that. Like it's actually a really modern thing to think we could have it, I think, you know. Mm um or maybe humans have just always thought they had it you know like everyone thinks i have it hmm. that that's the other thought but but yeah like in reality none of us are ever going to have it and that's okay and we can experiment and we can um I, I think experimenting like personally has a lot of value uh so that's why i'm like trying this diet um Honestly, I've liked it. I've been doing it for a bit now, and I'm just kind of sticking with it because I've liked it. Um, I I was telling you I weigh 125 now, but I actually weighed 115 for like a long time. So I think I've gained muscle just from eating way more protein. That makes sense. Um, and not really doing anything differently, just eating more protein. So um i've had people comment like wow you 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 have definition in your arms or whatever like so yeah people noticed um anyway that's good yeah we shouldn't expect to know it and we can like personally experiment and it's chill yeah i think <laughs> my issue with like i don't i a don't necessarily i don't have the grocery budget nor the like time nor honestly the like self-discipline to really test out all of these different things. Like I've gone keto for a few weeks at a time, a few different times. Uh, I think the longest I've ever actually stuck with it is like two and a half, maybe three weeks. Um, and mo almost all of those were while I was like tra traveling for work and living in someone else's place and they were feeding me and they were keto so okay i guess mm -hmm. i am too for the next three weeks while i'm working here um which is great i love that kind of stuff or you know i went basically completely vegan for two and a half months during the tulsi gabbard campaign i think i had meat maybe a dozen times in two and a half months um and but but they were like really like they were good vegans right who have like most of them been doing it their entire life so i wasn't having a lack of protein i wasn't having a lack of amino acids they were making they make sure that they're putting the other stuff into the diet and also i was the most active i had been in years i went from three years of a desk job to setting up and tearing down a, a whole event center every single day to put on an event for her and like lifting 7,500 pound boxes up and down out of a truck all day. Like I lost 
almost 30 pounds and gained a significant amount of muscle in those in that time. And, you know, there's a bunch of people out there that'll be like, you can't gain muscle without eating meat. It's like, yes, I can. I did it. But also, I have a bunch of friends that would call you crazy for even trying the carnivore diet. And, like, that's gonna, like, you need uh, more fiber or whatever. Uh, you know, you need these other things. And I don't know. I, I personally. I guess it's not, it's not actually pure carnivore. Uh, like, I'm not even in uh, keto. Yeah. Hmm. I, yeah. But anyway, sorry. Just wanted to, um, but I, I think I, I honestly don't think that there, like, not only is no person going to like actually be completely right about this. I don't think there is a completely right about this at all, uh, especially when you take into consideration how different people's bodies can be. Like, there's there's just so much of difference. Like, what I need for my body to get myself healthier is completely different than what my sister needs. She's trying to lose 50 pounds. I'm trying to gain pounds by adding muscle and just not, and, you know, cutting out the little bit of fat that I still have. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much where I want to be at, quote unquote, like weight and size wise. I'm really just trying to get more definition and more muscle. So it's two completely different diets that we need to be on. And there isn't a right or wrong answer there. And like the other thing that I really feel strongly about is if you don't have the self-discipline to go all the way in on a diet, don't like like ease into the stuff. You know, don't just quit sweets, cold turkey, because that will last four days and then you're going to buy a sleeve of cookies and then you're going to be like, oh, I fucked up my diet and then it's going to be over. And it lasted four days and it did absolutely nothing where if you like kind of ease into it, you'll be better off. And there's just so many different like nuances and things like that. And I know we're we're like really going down the the like health thing um tangent, but um I don't know. I well, there's so yeah. much to it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um I guess one one more thought is um I I know it's not like a perfect uh perfect way of doing this, but I try to think about like what humans in the past ate um because i think they were pretty healthy like disease wise you know they had other dangers um like cuts you know would get infected or um they'd get eaten by wild animals like way back but i think uh i, I don't think they had heart disease or you know like those kinds of diseases so much mm -hmm. so i try to like learn from that um as much as possible so it i guess my general rule is like try to like if i was going to explain my diet i would say i'm trying to get as close as possible to kind of ancient human um living uh yeah or eating but in general i yeah like trying to get closer to that way of living um because so on another thing i'm going to write about a little bit on my substack is like we're in a hyper novel environment right um like cities were hyper novel um, before that, people lived way more spread out, and so now suddenly we're packed into these small spaces, um, and then we have jobs, you know, where we go to work for someone rather than, um, like, working on a farm or working, you know, more uh, in smaller groups uh, where it's more, like, kind of hands-on and personal. Now it's, like, you know, uh, industrial and corporate, and we're going to work for people, and we're working inside more. Um, yeah, so just like human 
lifestyles change so dramatically so quickly uh and i think we kind of forget that like we grew up in this you know mm -hmm. so it seems normal um but yeah i'm i'm trying to figure out how to live kind of more like a human <laughs> like like but trying to bridge the you know like i i love technology and i want to i'm very into like creating new things and new ideas and you know, uh, advancing humanity, but we should do it in a way that's like conducive to human biology. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've had, I've spent a lot of time thinking about like the technology question, especially, uh, really over the last like year and a half, but especially over the last probably seven or eight years since my sister started having kids but now that I have some of my own it's like a lot more real because it's completely up to me like I can criticize my sister for giving her three-year-old a tablet but that there's a whole different animal when your three-year-old is begging for a tablet <laughs> it's a whole different situation um and like I'm genuinely terrified on behalf of my sister's kids. And I'm not trying to like shit on her as a parent because this is pretty much across the board, everyone in our generation that has kids. Um, like my nephew is more addicted to technology than I am already. And he's eight. And mm -hmm. like, I know how quickly my addiction to technology went from zero to a hundred uh, around like 14, 15, when I first got like, when we first started having any type of handheld stuff, when I could have the internet in my room and be messaging people until fucking two o'clock in the morning, as long as other people were awake somewhere in the world, I could be talking to them. And I developed that whole, and I think our entire generation has this thing of like, we're always on the clock. If, if anybody texts you, you're supposed yeah. to respond as quickly as possible and you're not like I genuinely have a problem with if, if like you and I were texting and it was like one o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't say, Hey, I've got to go to bed now. Can we talk about this tomorrow? That's a text that I, you've never gotten from me, <laughs> you know, and very, very, very few people ever have. And that's something that's been a problem since I was 14, but that went from, I have no concept of this to that's a full fledged problem in less than a calendar year. So I have no idea what's going to happen to these kids when they hit teenage years and other other societal pressures are a part of it. And, you know, they're talking to people on their tablets, not just playing games and all of this other stuff like they're going to be so much worse off than I am now. And I already feel yeah. like I'm in a really bad place when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, I struggle with it, too. But I've also, you know, my nephew is so much smarter than I was at eight. He knows mm. he can name a thousand different types of dinosaurs, and even wow. like my my uh, well, what day is it? Uh, my four-year-old stepson, who turns five in a couple of days, um, is like he's saying words that I didn't learn until my teens. Like we'll we'll be driving past like a construction site, and it's not like oh a tractor, oh a bulldozer. It's like oh, that's a excavator and like just, you know, like just stuff like that, that I didn't learn at all. I didn't wow. have the opportunity to learn at that young of an age, but because they're watching, 
stuff like Blippi or whatever and playing on their tablets and have these way more interactive ways to learn, they really are learning a lot faster. And that's that's a good thing. But if it's going to make them into a completely non-human ADHD mess that can't handle their own lives, is it really a good thing? You know, and there's just that balance. Yeah. I don't know where I stand on that topic anymore. I am so yeah in the middle <laughs> well yeah that reminds me of I, i've talked to two teachers in the uk uh one daycare teacher in japan and one daycare teacher in the us and they've all told me children have changed and they're terrible now <laughs> and yeah they were like it's a huge problem and i was shocked that it's a problem even in japan um but yeah she she said she felt like parents aren't raising their kids anymore like they're just not interested in doing the work of you know raising their kid um yeah so i i don't know what the cause is i'm you know i'm not blaming social media necessarily um uh, i'm i'm but i'm curious you know apparently it's a pattern yeah i think i think a big chunk of that is this whole like treating your kids like adults like mm. I, I think that they're they, the millennials had a good idea when we started off with the parenting of like more autonomy more a little bit more freedom a little bit more personal responsibility and whatnot uh to kind of battle what we felt growing up which was like usually very controlled and you know you've got to do this you've got to go to church you've got to go to school like because I said so is a common response to why. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I think most millennials didn't want to do that to their kids, but instead are treating a four-year-old like they have the same amount of authority as the parent in the household, which just doesn't yeah. work. It can't work. It's, it's it's Sometimes because I said so is the answer. Sometimes that's all you have to give them and they just need to be able to listen. And we've taught our kids to not take that as an answer and to just continue to but why but why but why and you just there's no way to run a classroom like that you can't you can't do that or like a summer camp uh or, or any of these things like any of the work that i've done with kids in the last few years is just terrifying because <laughs> yeah like it's it really is an across the board thing that i don't like I don't know any kids under 10 that are capable. Well, I can't say any. There's a few families that I know that are doing a really good job at this. But 90% of the kids I know under 10 will not take because I said so or because you have to as an answer. And so I don't mm. know how teachers are dealing with these kids for six hours a day every day. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> um. Yeah. But I know you do have to run here pretty soon. So before I let you go, um, tell people uh, how they can find you, how they can get involved with Curio. Um, one more like little short sales pitch. Cool. Um, yeah, so Curio is live. You can start using it right now. Um, super easy to log in. Just use your Gmail or create a username uh, or email and password login. Um, yeah, uh, you can contact me about it at contact at projectcurio.com. Um, maybe subscribe to my Substack. Uh, there's a link to it from Curio now. Uh, yeah, 
we're going to be doing more investigations. Oh, right now, uh, there's a claim with a bounty on it, which means if you do research, you can get paid. Um, so yeah, that's the peer reviewed scientific research is reliable. Mm. Uh, if you add to that, you can earn a little, earn a little cash. So, um, yeah, please, uh, subscribe. We'll be sending out, you know, uh, updates as I add stuff and try stuff and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Please check it out. Hell yeah. Uh, and there's a link to both Curio and the Substack in the description of this video. If you guys want to go down and click on those and check it out. Uh, and also, don't forget, as always, to like this video and share it with as many people as you possibly can so that people can find out about this awesome project. Uh, and then if you're not subscribed already to the channel, do that. I feel like most of you are. I don't think I actually have to say that one anymore. I've looked at my stats. That's like 90-something percent subscribed. You guys are great about that one. Uh, <laughs> but definitely, after you've done all that, make sure to come back. Next week, we'll have another awesome show. Uh, I don't have next week's book, but the week after that is Lars Mapstead, presidential candidate. So that one will be super fun. Come on back and check that out. Stacia, thank you so much for coming back on. This was great. Thanks for having me, David. Always lots of fun. My pleasure. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Until next time, keep up the fight.